and they ate and were satisfied. We're, of course, familiar with the the story of the multiplication of the loaves, and this one being the feeding of the 4,000, the other story that of the 5,000. And so we recognize that, indeed, this is a miracle for us to reflect upon, the fact of the multiplication, not the, the, the false miracle of everyone became generous that day because everyone had a loaf of bread hiding in their robe. Uh, otherwise, our Lord would not have said they don't have food. He knows what's up, right? He doesn't, uh, he's not surprised, but he goes, oh, everybody had a roof under their bread, under, under, their, under their robe. Surprised me, right? This is foolishness. The miracle is the multiplication. It is that our Lord anticipates already the Eucharist that is to be a miraculous bread that comes down from heaven. He's anticipating these things, and the gospel writers, of course, indicate this by the manner in which recording the things that he did. He took it, he blessed it, he broke it, then he gave it through his disciples to the people. This is the same manner that happens every single Mass. And the fact is that the multiplication is a generous gift from the Lord, but he also gives us an additional gift here today of, in addition to the reflecting upon the miracle itself, he gives us this spiritual truth that only God can satisfy. The apostles are recognizing this insufficiency of their own providence there as they are in the desert. They're saying, who can satisfy all these people? Who can possibly do it? Because they recognize they can't. They recognize they don't have the ability, they don't have the means. And the other account, it indicates that they said, you know, 300 days wages wouldn't be enough even to give everybody a little bit. So they're kind of looking at and recognizing their own insufficiency that we cannot satisfy them. But it's our Lord who does. And they all eat and are satisfied. And even extra is picked up, seven baskets full. Reality is that all of us, I think, have experienced this, uh, at least the similar story of what happens in the gospel. As we find ourselves uh, sitting down to enjoy a good meal among family and friends and to enjoy a good meal together and at the end to be satisfied, to have a, a full stomach where you go, oh, that was good. And you just rejoice in it. You revel in it. And very often uh, if you sit down to talk, you need coffee because otherwise your eyelids start to get a little heavy, right? That one is satisfied, that there's a goodness about it, a, content- a contentedness about it. Although we here like to start talking about what's the next meal going to be like as we're finishing up the one, uh, it doesn't take away the fact that we are content. There's this happiness of our hearts that takes place there. But as we also know, we will be hungry again. And thus, we start talking about the next meal. We start anticipating that which is to come. Because we know we will be hungry later, no matter how much one might eat. There will be hunger that will come. We'll be satisfied for a time, but it will not be sustained. We see this also true of our soul. In fact, many of the things that are true of the body are also true of our soul, and vice versa. The Lord has created us as both, not simply one or the other. St. Ignatius of Loyola speaks of this more in the spiritual realm. It's St. Ignatius who gives us the, his rules of discernment that are often, often spoke about these days, much to the glory of the Lord. But it was his own experience that helped him to arrive at this fact, that Ignatius, having been in the military and, and, uh, and being injured in battle, was, was laid up and he was, he was recuperating. 
He was waiting for his body to heal. And so he requested books on war to be able to, to pass the time, he being a, a good man, you know, wanting to, to go out and, and improve his wisdom, improve his knowledge of battle so as to be a better soldier when he left. He asked for the books on, on military strategy and these kinds of things. And they said, we do not have that, but we do have, we'll bring you what we do have. And they showed up with the life of our Lord and the lives of the saints. I said, okay, well, I guess I'll read these then. Otherwise, we'll just be bored all day long. They didn't have YouTube and the internet and TV back in those days, of course. And so he began to read the life of our Lord and the lives of the saints. He would also reflect upon, at least in his own mind, the battles that he had been in, the military strategies that he heard, and reflect upon these things as well. So he was kind of reflecting and, and reading at different times on these two different options. And he found an interesting thing happened that whenever he reflected upon his, his experiences of battle or reflections upon the things of the world and war and all of his, all of his, his dreams of, of the, the, the pleasures of life that he would experience later on down the line, once he got healed, once everything was fixed up, he recognized within him this, uh, that, that there would be a happiness uh, for the moment, but it very quickly would fade after he was done thinking about it. But when he read the life of our Lord and when he read the lives of the saints, he experienced this this peace that was when he was reading them, but also he experienced a, a lasting peace that endured for hours and hours afterwards. And he began to realize that there was something that, that satisfied the heart in the reading of the divine things, the heavenly things, that the earthly things simply didn't provide. And so this led him eventually to his rules of discernment. It's the reality that, that within us, there is a desire for things to be uh, satisfied. Our heart is always restless. It is looking for that peace. And in so many ways, we can seek to find it in the world. And to the extent that we seek to find our peace in this world, that we seek to find our satisfaction in this world, we will fall short. But it doesn't mean we don't give it a good shot. We seek to find it in entertainment, we seek to find it in the pleasures of the world, and wealth or in honor and notoriety, and all sorts of things. We seek to be satisfied. And just like whenever we eat food, we may have satisfaction of a particular thing for a particular moment, but eventually it'll fade. When the Tigers won the national championship, everyone was on top of the world. But the next year, we need another one. That one doesn't suffice anymore. It doesn't satisfy as much. We can have the good memories, but we need another. And all of these things, we go from thing to thing to thing. The next great video, the next great album, the next great book, the next great this, that, or the other thing. Always looking for the one that satisfies. And always, we are chasing the satisfaction that does not last. The only one that does is the satisfaction that comes from being nourished by Christ. It's only by turning to Him and finding our rest and our peace in the good Lord that there is anything that can satisfy. There is anything that can give our hearts true rest in this world. And even then, we recognize that there is still a manner in which our satisfaction in the Lord in this life is not it. This is why our, our, our gradual today, the, the beautiful words from the, from the Psalms, convertere Domini aliquantum. Turn back to us, Lord. How long? How long? 
Even whenever we rejoice in the good things that God has given to us, even when we experience the goodness of this life, the goodness of the peace of the Lord, the mercy and the love of the Lord through the sacraments, even when we experience the fullness of the life of grace in this life, there is always something that is missing. There will always be something that is missing because it does not endure in this life, because this life is not heaven. We were made for that peace that endures forever and is found in only one place. We get a foretaste of it here. We get that taste that makes us long for heaven, that makes us hungry for the food. It's the appetizer as we look forward to the heavenly wedding feast. It's the thing that week after week we are able to come and to be nourished by the sacraments, to be encouraged daily in our prayer, and to know that there is peace in God that there is a satisfaction that we can experience greater in this life than the things of the world can offer to us. But just remember, even whenever this may fade a bit, that it's not because something has gone wrong, but rather it's because the Lord is calling us higher and higher. He's calling us to heaven. It's for us to set our hearts there, not to seek the satisfaction of the things of the world, not to think that we can provide these things for ourselves or find the, the cure to the discontentment of our own human hearts. But rather in all of these things, and at every moment, to turn to the Lord. He, the one who can satisfy, desires to fill us today with himself and with his grace. Let us open our hearts to him, to receive him, to stay close to him, and to resolve to remain close to him through the course of this week, that knowing his peace here and now, through the course of our days, we may look forward to this fullness and this completion and the glory of the world to come.